Um, for everybody attending Wednesday night's uh, adult study, uh, fill in the blank. I am. Okay, let's let's get a little more. Uh, uh, let, let's push a little bit here. I am blessed. blessed. That's right. That's what we're learning. Uh, great prayer remix. Great time. We've been having a great time on Wednesday night. So. Hey, you heard Alexa talking about no regrets, two weeks away, less than two weeks. And I can tell you, man, I've been going for decades. It's been uh, an incredible experience, and we just want to encourage all the men uh, from Live Church. If you haven't signed up, by all means, do it. We're going to be hosting it here, um, streaming it, and it's always good to be together, to be challenged in our walk with Christ uh, endeavoring to improve our relationships and being men of integrity and, of course, pressing on in our faith with Christ. So uh, once again, go to the church website to purchase your ticket, and uh, we're looking forward to a great time. If you're a first-time guest today, there's a nifty blue card. Please fill it out, drop it off at Guest Central uh, on your way out. That way we can have a name with a face, and um, we sure would appreciate it. This uh, this past Wednesday, our country inaugurated a new president, uh, President Biden, and it's imperative that his that God's people pray for our president, for the leaders of our country. Uh, as always, our country uh, needs strong leaders, and so will you join with me as we pray for our new president and our country? Heavenly Father, 1 Timothy 2, 2 and 3 says we should pray this way for all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and it pleases God, our Savior. And so, Lord, we pray for President Joe Biden that he would not be swayed by the voices of self-interest, but that he would listen to that still, small voice of you, Almighty God. And Father, we pray that our new president and leaders will honor you and respect you as the one and only true God. We ask that you give us government leaders who will pray for your will and your guidance. And Lord, we ask that you pour out your spirit on this nation to help each of us discern good from evil. Not through the eyes of man, but through spiritual eyes. And Lord, in John eight twelve, you said that, Jesus, you are the light of the world. If we follow you, we won't have to walk in darkness because we will have the light that leads to life. Help us, Lord, as a nation to follow you so we will not have to walk in darkness. May your light fill Washington, D.C., and our country for your honor. In Jesus' almighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for praying. Dave Ogren called me yesterday. 
And for those of you Life Churchers, you know Dave Ogren. He's part of our church family. His birthday's today, so I texted him yesterday, uh, wishing him a happy birthday ahead of time. And he's in Missouri today speaking at a church. And uh, so he called me and harassed me. Uh, why? I wished him happy birthday. And I said, Dave, you're part of the family, and um, actually your name's in the church program today. And he couldn't believe it. So, so if you see Dave, just uh, he's coming in, in April, and you can wish him a belated birthday. Cassidy Birkin has a birthday today as well, and we celebrate it. Those of you watching and on, uh, in the building, you want to pull up your notes for today. Uh, we're continuing in the series, Philippians Unchained, The Joy Project. Today's talk, Joy in Sharing Your Faith, uh, looking at Philippians 1, 12 through 14. I've told this story before about uh, Darlene Diebler Rose, but it fits well this morning, her story. She's written about it in the book Evidence Not Found, uh, Woman's Miraculous Faith in the Jungles of World War II. If you're looking, she was a missionary uh, with her husband and a missionary's team. Um, before the war, and her stories in this book. And she wrote this book uh, as a memoir to her kids so they would know what she went through. If you want a good read, I encourage you to pick up Darlene's book. But in the beginning, the dedication page, she says to these, and she's got a list, a list of her beloved fellow missionaries who loved me, guided me, and inspired me. The youngest missionary among them, talking about herself, I lovingly dedicate this book. Out of the past and from the distant shore, I hear them calling, run, Darlene, run, run with perseverance, the race that is set before you. It is worth it all. And so I run. In the preface, she talks about September 19th, 1945, 17 days after the truce had been signed on the battleship Missouri in Tokyo Bay with Japan. She says, eight years before in the war away, I had arrived in the islands with my husband on our first wedding anniversary to begin missionary work in the interior of New Guinea. For almost four years, talking about her imprisonment, out of those eight, half of those, she was in a prison camp. My fellow missionaries and I, along with 1,600 other women and children, measured our days in forced labor and marked the anniversaries of the deaths of loved ones who succumbed one by one to disease, starvation, and the horrific bombings. In the middle of the book, she tells uh, a conversation she had with the camp Commander, Mr. Yamaji. She had just found out that her husband had died in a, another concentration, not far from theirs. They separated the men from the women. So she's dealing with the grief 
She said, late that afternoon, Mr. Yamaji called me to his office. He was standing behind his desk. Darlene, I want to talk with you, he began. This is war. Yes, Mr. Amaji, I understand that. He says, what you heard today, women in Japan have heard, talking about the loss of her husband. Yes, sir, I understand that too, she said. He continued, you are very young. Someday the war will be over and you can go back to America. You can marry again and forget these awful days. You have been a great help to the other women in the camp. I ask if you don't lose your smile. How can you smile in a concentration camp, friend? But she smiled. Mr. Yamaji, may I have permission to talk to you? He nodded, sat down, then motioned for me to take the other chair. Mr. Yamaji, I don't sorrow like people who have no hope. I want to tell you about someone of whom you may never have heard. I learned about him when I was a little girl in Sunday school back in Boone, Iowa, in America. His name is Jesus. He's the son of the almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth. Darlene goes on to say, God opened the most wonderful opportunity to lay the plan of salvation before the Japanese camp commander. Tears started to course down his cheeks. He died for you, Mr. Yamaji, and he puts love in our hearts even for those who are our enemies. That's why I don't hate you, Mr. Yamaji. Maybe God brought me to this place and this time to tell you he loves you. Let's read that again. Maybe God brought me to this horrific place. And this time in history to tell you he loves you. With tears running down his cheeks, he rose hastily and went into his bedroom, closing the door. I could hear him blowing his nose and knew he was still crying. We weren't supposed to leave the presence of a Japanese officer without permission. And so I sat quietly praying for his salvation that he might understand new life in Christ Jesus and someday go home to share God's love with his wife and family, to be a light in some dark, possibly even remote area of Japan. And realizing finally that he was not coming out of his room, I left knowing that from that moment on that Mr. Yamaji trusted me and understood why I was in the Netherlands, East Indies. To have that mindset, no matter where you are in life, inside prison, outside prison, maybe you feel chained in a relationship, whatever the case may be, to say, maybe God has put me here for this time to tell you about the great love of Jesus. Man, if every follower of Christ had that mindset, I'm telling you, the world would be turned upside down. It would. So let's go to Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. Paul is really excited. He is, he is loaded with joy because the message of Christ is being proclaimed. 
And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news for everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Doesn't sound like a guy feeling sorry for himself, does it? Hmm? No, he, he's not playing, he didn't... Uh, put an order into Amazon to send him a violin under house arrest in Rome. Didn't happen. Didn't want a violin. No, sir. On the contrary, he's sitting, you know, with a chain around his arm, with a, with a, uh, a chain attached to a Roman soldier. And he's writing, he's writing about his circumstances in verse 12. He says, hey, man, God has me here on purpose. Good things are going on. I'm excited about it, man. I am so full of joy because of it. You see that? Can you imagine? Loaded with joy and you're under house arrest. What a statement. What a statement. For a lot of us, you know, world, this world, this life we live, it tends to beat us up, spit us out, and we allow the the world, uh, the circumstances, the the life situations that we've gone through, going through, to temper us from having joy. Paul is saying, don't let that happen, man. Don't let that happen. Some look at life with a very pessimistic perspective, like the little boy who was preparing for a test the following day, and he told his dad, he said, Dad, I'm going to fail this test because I don't understand the material. And his father responded, son, you don't have to be positive. You're, you have to be positive. And, and the boy said, okay, dad, I'm positive. I'm going to fail this test. <laughs> yeah, so maybe that's you. Maybe that's you. But here's the deal. Pastor Jim Cimbala, Brooklyn Tabernacle, New York City, uh, puts it this way, if the times are indeed as bad as we say they are, if the darkness in our world is growing heavier by the moment, if we are facing spiritual battles in our own homes and churches, then we are foolish not to turn to the one, that's Jesus, who supplied unlimited grace and power. Amen. He is our only source. We are crazy to ignore him. And friend, we are on our fourth Sunday of 2021 already. Time is slipping away. And I am not going to put a guilt trip on you. I'm just going to ask you very simply, how's it going with your Bible reading? Hmm? How's that working out for you? How's it working out with your time with the Lord? Just a thought, if you haven't got on track yet, let's, let's get on it. Let's get on. I want to encourage you to get on it because our world is collapsing. Not in a pessimistic way, but we are to be the light of Christ. Opportunities taking full advantage of him living inside of us. So we need, in order to press on like Darlene Deppler Rose said, to keep pressing on, we need to stay close to him I'm telling you so we need to invest our time with Christ
So if you look up the word victim in the dictionary, I know you've got your dictionaries with you today. <laughs> it's on your smartphone, of course. Uh, you could look up victim, and Paul's picture would be right there. You know, he, he could have said, "That's me, man. I'm, uh, I've been, I've been. Man, my life has just kind of fallen apart since I put my faith in Christ. Everything bad that could happen to somebody, it's happening to me." Paul says, "Take my picture off that dictionary, man. I'm no victim." I'm no victim. I'm not going to become a victim. I'm not going to have that mentality. I am trusting Almighty God is guiding my life day by day, no matter what happens to me. He's using my life for his honor. Boom! Yeah. So, so, Paul's not under house arrest sending out invitations to a pity party. Instead, he is full of joy, and he's allowing that to become contagious in 2021. So let's jump in. Number one, joy sees my trial used to spread good news. Verse 12, and I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything, can you say that? Um, can you say that from your core? Everything in my life, man, I'm excited about because God's using it. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Right? That's what Paul's saying. That everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. See his perspective? It's Instead of, woe is me. Oh! I'm, ooh, man, life, ooh, it's just beating me up. No, it's, it's, it's God's name and fame is being spread. That's why I'm alive. That's why God hasn't transported me to heaven when I put my faith in him. He keeps us here to walk through with us in those crises moments. So, spiritual maturity can be measured by what it takes to steal your joy. If you're growing in Christ, if you're following after Christ, the question is, if you call yourself a mature follower of Jesus, what does it take to steal your joy? Hmm? What's it take? What situation? What circumstance? You know, what is it? Maybe you're going through a, something right now. That you're, you're floundering. You're questioning. Man, where's God? Life isn't fair. Woe is me. Well, if we call ourselves mature followers of Christ, we should follow Paul's example that he was standing on the rock of Christ. So what's everything? What's everything Paul's talking about? Everything that's happened to me. We can go to Acts 21, and that's why it's not going to be on the screen. You need your Bibles, and that's why we encourage you to bring your Bibles. We've got Bibles in the back corner. Acts 21, just a little background. If you want to find out why Paul ended up in an under house arrest in Rome, this is it. The whole city, verse uh, 30, the whole city was rocked by these accusations and a great riot followed. Paul was grabbed and dragged out of the temple. How many would vote for that to happen to you? Hmm? As they were trying to kill him, go ahead, try and kill me. How many would join that club today? Word reached the commander of the Roman regiment that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. So he called for help, backup. When the mob saw the commander and the troops coming, they stopped beating Paul. 
boom, boom, beating him, not slapping him. Paul's good with that. Then the commander, instead of arresting the people that are beating him, they arrest Paul and they order him bound with two chains. Paul, he, he's, he's part of the chain club, you see? Wherever he goes, man, he gets put in chains. Is that fair? That's not fair. You think they'd arrest the guys beating them up? No, they arrest Paul. Since he couldn't find out the truth in all the uproar and confusion, he ordered that Paul be taken to the fortress. Verse 36, and the crowd followed behind him, kill him, kill him. Great environment, huh? Great environment. Sign me up, man. Yeah, Paul's good with it, though, because he knows God's going to use this. So Paul's in Jerusalem, and this is what's going on in, in Acts 21. So they sent him to Caesarea to stand trial as a Roman citizen, and he was held without bail for two years. Think about that. You get thrown in jail for two years. Nobody really cares. Paul's supposed to be planting churches. Why would God allow that to happen? Meanwhile, he's giving his testimony to the Roman governor, Felix, who listened attentively to Paul while he was in confinement. And he gave no decision. And so he sent Paul to King Agrippa, Goes to King Agrippa, and he's, there's no decision made either there, and so Paul appeals to Caesar. Who's Caesar? It's Nero at the time. We'll talk more about Nero later. He's put on a ship. Let's see the map here. kind of tracks um, Caesarea. Jerusalem is to the right um, in Israel. So you can see the boat route here. It's not a cruise ship, by the way. Uh, no, it's not a cruise ship. There's other prisoners on that ship as well. And um, the ship never made it, eventually seeking by a violent storm by Malta. You can see the, just to the left and up a little bit from that particular ship. Why would God allow a storm? I'm on this boat. I could have drowned out there. It's not fair. Paul doesn't even think about it. Gets off, you know, he he, land, he gets on shore in Malta and a, a snake comes out and bites him in the hand. It's supposed to kill him. Why would God allow a poisonous snake to bite me? See, you could just go down this litany. Why questioning God? It doesn't seem fair. It's not right. Where is God? And finally, he's brought in chains to Rome where he was kept under house arrest for two years, awaiting trial for Caesar. Caesar is Nero at this time. And so let's go to Acts 28, 16. He's, he's made it. Um, it says, when we arrived in Rome, Paul was permitted to have his own private lodging, though he was guarded by a soldier. Verse 23, so at a, t a time was set, and on that day a large number of people came to Paul's lodging. People could come and go. And once word got out that Paul was under house arrest, people would come and listen to him teach. He explained and testified about the kingdom of God and tried to persuade them about Jesus from the scriptures. 
Verse 24, some were persuaded by the things he said, but others did not believe. You see, what do you see there, friend? You see the freedom to choose. Once again. For God so loved the world. God went to, God has gone to every human being face to face, so to speak, and said, I want you to have a relationship with me. He, he gives that opportunity to everybody, but he also gives them the free will to say no. And we see it right here. Once again. Verse 30, when we arrived in Rome, Paul was permitted to have his own private lodging, though he was guarded by a soldier. For the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. That's why Epaphroditus, we talked about this earlier, brought a love offering from the church in Philippi to help pay those expenses, to pay the rent, to pay the heat, the cable bill. No, he didn't have cable. He welcomed all who visited him boldly, boldly, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ, and no one tried to stop him. Four years have gone by now, from the time he was arrested in Jerusalem, and he's under house arrest in, in Rome. Uh, he's not free to plant churches. He felt that's what God's call was on his life. That was his mission. But now he has a prison ministry. <laughs> he's not going anywhere. And when things don't go the way you expect, what do you do with joy in your life, friend? Do you pout? You feel sorry for yourself. You're expecting things to go a certain way. They don't. And so you just put it on cruise control and drift spiritually. Paul says, I don't care what happens to me. I'm going to keep my joy. I'm going to keep my joy. Because what God is doing in and through me for his honor and glory, that's what I get excited about. And so... The restriction of any kind can challenge your joy, right? Confinement of any kind can challenge your joy. uh, I'm going through the Bible with my Bible reading plan, and last week I read Genesis 45, 4, 5, 7, 8, and I thought, man, this this is like Paul, you know, a shadow of Paul. Joseph says, please come closer. So they came closer talking about his brothers. They've, they've come to Egypt. They sold Joseph, remember, they sold him into slavery. Not fair. But Joseph doesn't feel that way. He says, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset. Don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God Sounds like Darlene Diebler Rose. God sent me into this prison camp to tell the commander about the love of Christ. You catch it? Huh? Yo. Good? Are you good with that? You see it all the way in back in the Old Testament. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive. Instead of saying, I hope you guys starve to death because you sold me into slavery, saying God sent me here so I could keep you alive. You see the grace of God in that? And to preserve many survivors, verse 8, so it was God who sent me here, not you. <laughs> uh, we scratch our heads, man. 
And he's the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all Egypt. Lord, help your people. Instead of getting so consumed with ourselves, what's fair, what isn't fair, help us, Lord, because we put our faith in you that we can trust you as sovereign God and that you allow things into our lives to perfect us more after you. Help me, Lord, not to buy a violin, but instead put a smile on my face through it all. I'm pointing people to you, my loving Savior. I'm telling you, man, it will simplify our lives because it sucks the life out of you when you become bitter at life. You ripped me off. You cheated me. You sent me here. Instead of saying I'm resting in God, God has control of my life. I've surrendered to him. It's liberating. And we see that word spread. Let's, let's circle that in our Bibles. Everything, not some things, everything, you heard everything that brought Paul to Rome, has happened to me here, has helped to spread the good news. That's where Paul's joy is coming from. The good news, man, it's being spread. It's moving. Nothing can stop the gospel, the good news. Even in a concentration camp in Asia, the gospel was being proclaimed. In communist China today, the underground church, nothing can stop the gospel from spreading. And that's a good word, spread. It's, Paul chooses it in the Greek. It's a military term. Paul loves to use military Words, because as a follower of Christ, we are in the Lord's army, right? We should be. He's my commander. It's a military term that refers to the movement of an army into enemy territory. Notice we're not retreating, we're going into the enemy territory. As the soldiers move forward, they clear the obstacles, open their own, drain the swamps. Build pontoon bridges so that the whole army can advance unhindered. Paul is saying that in his imprisonment, which seems to be a setback for the gospel, is actually being used to advance the gospel in Rome. You see the perspective there? It's like going against the headwind. Check this out, this dude going against the wind. There he is. Is that easy or is it tough? Is it tough? To be a follower of Christ today, you have to have backbone because if you go the way of the world, you don't need a spine. You can see it in Andrew's face, man. It's cost him an umbrella. Though nobody goes with me, still I will follow. You're going against the headwinds. And Paul is saying there are headwinds in this life. 
But the gospel is being spread anyway. Nothing can shut down the good news of Jesus Christ. Nothing. And he's full of joy because of it. How's that working out for you? Huh? Do you get excited about spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ? I can tell you, as a follower of Christ, the one thing every time where I just overflow with joy is when I've had the opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. And when they put their faith in Christ, whoo! Whoo! Man! You see? If, if your life has spiritually flattened out, when's the last time you told somebody about Jesus? Hmm? Our culture is telling us to shut up and go away. Nobody wants to hear about it. There are people that are ready to put their faith in Christ. And God is positioning you to be in that place right here, right now, to bring that light of hope to them. There are people waiting to be told. You want joy in your life? Tell somebody about Christ. I'm telling you, man. You talk about a blood pressure spike? <laughs> oh. Put that dude back up there, please. Please. We should make copies and hand them out next Sunday. We'll start a new club, right? And put those on our refrigerators. Just a good reminder, going against the headwinds of life. Lord, help us to do that. Romans 1.16, Paul had written this 57 AD. He wrote the, the letter to the Philippian church in 61 AD. And so in Romans 1.16, he's writing to the church in Rome. So four years earlier, he says, for I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. Are you ashamed? It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. Yes. Paul's saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Joseph Stoll pastored, and now he is president of a Christian university. It tells a conversation he had with a pastor in the former Soviet Union. And the pastor said, Stalin's reign was the worst time. I had two KGB agents come to me and say, we'll take care of you. You stay the pastor of that church, but once a week, give us a report on every one of these Christians. Work for us. We'll take care of you. I can't do that to God, the pastor said. And I can't do that to my people. So what was the reward? They sent him to a prison camp in Siberia. He endured forced labor and the cold for 10 years but he did find other Christians in the camp and God used those followers of Christ in a Siberian prison camp to tell others about the good news. 
The pastor said, I was a carpenter building towns for Stalin. We'd go out in a 60-mile radius, and there we would fellowship together. We would, we would talk about Christ while we were building houses. Today, there are hundreds of churches in Siberia as a result of these small prisoner fellowship groups. So what looked like would thwart and shut down the gospel, even in Siberia, in that cold God was working. God is working in your life on purpose. And may we as Life Church say, and I want you to know, that everything that has happened to us has helped to spread the good news. Let's carry that. Let's carry that message. Father, thank you this morning. Thank you for, as you took Paul on a journey, a journey many of us would say, I don't want that. I don't want to experience that. Beatings and interrogation and threats to your life and shipwrecked and bit by snakes. And, and yet he's saying, man, it's all good. It's all good because God's using it to spread the good news. I pray for each person in this room, Lord. If we feel like we're chained in a, in a situation, a life situation, we feel like there's no escape, Lord, may we just rest in the fact that you're going to use us, you want to use us in that situation on purpose for such a time as this, Lord. We're grateful. We are so grateful, Lord, that you never give up on us. Lord, you never give up on us. And in 2021, Lord, may your people be ignited with a passion like Paul to tell others about you. It's a privilege to do that, Lord. You've made us your ambassadors to carry this great message of hope. Help us, Lord, to open our mouths to tell our story. This is what I was before Christ. This is what I am today by the grace of God. You've given us that message, Lord. May we speak it with boldness, with confidence, knowing that you're going to help us, Lord. For everyone in this room, for all of us today, Lord, for those watching, Help us this week, Lord. Help us this week to tell someone about you. To point them to Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. You notice in your outline there's four simple steps to share the gospel. This is just uh, a tool that you can use. Um, it's there on purpose. So we can point people to the light of Christ. Amen. Let's stand.